computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranger's McBasketball, but also joined by my good friend, Mike Garcia, aka Canyon Driver, the Lakers own, uh, you know, draft expert, I would call you. I know you wouldn't call yourself that, but that's what we were all here to hype you up for, buddy. How you doing tonight, Mike? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. How about you, Tim? How are you doing, buddy? I, I think you got it wrong, Tom. We're here for fight night. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> because yeah. I disagree with Mike about one element of one player's game. So it's great. We're gonna get there. We're gonna, I'm gonna play referee <laughs> and kind of, you know, challenge each of them with points and counterpoints. We're gonna have a whole system now. We're gonna go out uh, <laughs> this Lakers summer league. We're today, which you know, talking a little bit before the pod and how we wanted to frame this. We are not going to be talking about every. We're not going to be talking about Sharif O'Neal. Yeah. Sadly, I do not think Sharif has any chance to uh, play or many other of these guys outside of Cole Swider, Scottie Pippen Jr., and Max Christie. Do you guys like see it differently? I guess just open it up is the first question. Well, this year we're going to see right. it this year. Yes, like correct. we're not. Tom is not saying that Sharif O'Neal no. can never play in the NBA. No, no, no. Thank you. you thank say you. That. Yeah, I want to clarify that. Thank you. Thank you. Because you were about to be one of the haters, Tom, and I don't. No, I don't want to have. Yeah, we don't want that. Wouldn't be the first, won't be the last. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Mike? Is it kind of just those three guys as far as relevant pieces for the Lakers next year? If Sharif was able to keep his fouls down, I actually appreciate that he does a grab-and-go and pushes the ball down the floor. I mean, that's pretty much the primary thing that he's been doing for the summer, which is kind of refreshing to watch. Mm. Outside of that, can't really see much within a half-court set, which is the big deal. But just knowing him as a... As an earlier prospect, I know he's kind of switching from this three and D type of wing to more of a big position. So he's in the middle of a skills transition with that whole thing. So maybe it'll happen down the line. See, we already did it. You already talked about Sharif now, and now it's all out the door. There we yep. go. <laughs> now, um, and uh, you missed. I think there might be a potentially a fourth guy that maybe we should talk about just a little bit, maybe at the end. And that's Jay Hoff. He hasn't played for the summer league team, but he played for that's the fair. California Classic team. He played very well. The Lakers added Thomas Bryant somewhat recently, so there's less of a positional need. But just like with these other guys, you know, I can see him maybe filling in for some spot minutes at some point and, and you know, providing yeah. something. Well, that's good context because, yeah, I like Jay Huff, and I think that, you know, if anybody who can shoot the three and – and rebound and be a little bit physical and rim protect has value even at uh, you know varying degrees of success in any of those areas but yeah Mike this is part of why I love you know chopping it up with you is uh, sitting next to you in summer league we're not there this year uh, at least I'm not but I was like seeing how you see the game and seeing how you can isolate certain things that players do like you were talking about with Sharif as far as you know these are viable things that can be successful unfortunately you need to have a big Big tool bag a lot of times in the NBA. So, I, you know, watching these summer league games, Mike, let's start off with Max Christie because I, I think I see a pretty darn good player in there, 
but he does look a bit like a boy playing against men in some of these matchups as far as his physical stature. And he hasn't quite shot the ball as well as maybe we have hoped. What do you see from Max Christie as a, as a prospect in these first few summer league games? Um, I think one of the things that kind of caught me off guard was he's playing bigger than a science. Um, when I look at him, I think he's, you know, standard shooting guard size, roughly six, four, roughly six, eight wingspan. That seems to be, the average for that general position. And yet he's not a guy that's getting picked on defensively and he's not afraid to attack the basket. And sure he takes a floater, but he's not taking forcibly bad shots at the rim, which is actually the worst decision. And every once in a while, you'll see him in a pick and roll set and he'll make that cross court pass. As long as he finds the open man, that's the critical thing. Now for me, this is a great foundation of stuff, right? So the shot hasn't really fallen yet. And I, think that's due to strength um there's i wish there was more aggression right at the rim once again i wish that was kind of due to strength maybe a little bit of handle but the fact that he's being aggressive and getting into the paint a little bit and not getting attacked defensively and just he's not a guy that's getting really pushed around i'm even surprised at some of the defensive rebounds that he gets that's kind of what you want in a prospect especially in terms of projecting upside because it's a lot easier to say hey, this guy needs strength, but the rest of the tools are there. And it's easy to see that foundation with Max Christie. I I think you just – he's a Spartan dog. Mike, I, like, come on. He's going to rebound. <laughs> oh he's going to defend. He's going he's gonna to hold his own a little bit down low, play above his size. I've been impressed, though, with, with Christie. Defensively, I was anticipating he'd play well at the point of attack. I figured he'd struggle with strength. He's played some wing stopper. And this, you know, this isn't like called by Leonard or, or somebody's needing to defend out there, but he's had different games that we've seen so far where he's defending like the point guard for the other team. Other games he's been defending like scoring wings. He did really well. He held his own against Keegan Murray, who's been just torching everybody in Summer League. When when Christie wasn't guarding him, he was lighting everybody else on this team up. So that to me was an it, it, that was an eye-opening performance for me. And like, I mean, I I'd seen them play multiple times this past season, but um, it was it was good to you know have that reaffirming. So defensively, I like what I've seen. I, I think he's formidable. Like I think he's playing well enough. Offensively, obviously, you can't shoot like fifteen percent or whatever he's shooting on threes. That's not going to cut it. And going into summer league, I like tweeted it out. I said it on the podcast. He's somebody that offensively, I don't think is going to play as well as he can, just given the nature of the environment. Same kind of way Austin Reeves last year, like wasn't efficient. It's not the same thing when you're a role player. Same thing with Caruso a couple of years ago. Like those guys that in the parent team offense would be operating as like a stationary shooter set up by others, not creating their own as much. Like in this environment, that's not great for you. Now the Lakers actually have been running some plays. They've been running decent plays. They've had some decent guard play. Um, and interestingly, Christie has been a little bit better actually at the self-creation, the ball screens, the handoffs that kind of element of his game. And he's just not performed well as a spot-up shooter, which was reverse to what I was thinking. But I mean, long-term, I think the spot-up shooting will be okay. Like Mike, I think the strength is, like Mike said, I think the strength is a concern, but if he can knock down open threes and then has a little bit of that juice to be able to attack, to attack a closeout, like that's interesting to me. But like he's made three floaters and only four shots at the rim in the half court so far. And that's like a weird ratio of floaters to like layups. So that's that's not exactly what you're looking for, but he's flashed a little bit of playmaking. He can make some simple pick and roll reads, 
And if the threes are falling, I still see him as somebody that makes sense as a like very siloed, small offensive role on offense with the parent team and then defensively be able to play good point of attack defense. That just sounds like a lot of ifs. It's if it, if his threes fall. If, one, if his threes if. fall, they they like if his threes fall, he's not getting to the rim because if you can't get to the rim in the summer league, you have fun in the real NBA because a fucking wing will come over and body you up like you're six foot two because that's what he is to some of these bigger wings who can just he's just not ready physically and I I do think he's a skilled player. I think he's got good vision like you're saying like self-creation like passing getting a step he's pulling up short for these floaters and he's they're not super dropping well from what i've seen it and mm-hmm. it's only gonna get more difficult from here this summer league defense is beatable these guys haven't played on a team uh for a long amount of time they've got base defensive coverages you know what i mean they're not super gambling all the time it's just, it, it's still, you called him on the last pod that he wasn't a project, Tim, and I still just kind of want to push back on that. My one last thing I'll point out is 81, according to Synergy, 81% of his catch and shoot threes have been contested. I think that will improve on the parent team. He, you're right, the level of competition is going to get better. You're right, I don't really trust him attacking closeouts, getting to the rim. But if he's on the parent team, he will be the fifth option in any lineup he's in offensively. And he's going to get a A minus, A plus three-point shot quality. And if you can just hit those and then play good defense, like there can be a role for you on this team. I mean, can uh, he I be chased? Oh, I have a question for both of you guys. Um, do you think that he's so caught up in the role of being a defensive player and being formidable there that it's causing some sort of fatigue on the offensive end? Because mm-hmm. I kind of think of it in terms of, let's just exaggerate a little bit and say it's the playoffs and if it, and it's the finals. And if you're a defensive player and then you're playing defense full-time, is your shooting really cut up to par? Not really. You're looking to be shooting sure. 20, 30%, right? Cause you're expending so much energy on the other end of the floor. That's kind of what I'm seeing with Christy. And this is also why I'm focusing on the strength part of his development, because when I'm watching his shots, they're not just falling short or going long. They are, all over the rim. And for me, that's just like, that's a lack of core strength. That's a lack of strength throughout the game. There's some general fatigue that's happening all throughout. And, you know, NBA strength training always happens for every single rookie out there, but that's basically what I'm seeing. So when I see that his floater isn't going as well as it should be, or the three-point shot isn't there, but yet the defense is holding, well, the defense is holding, he's putting most of his energy there. And then all the energy is kind of, out of the way and gone when he when he's playing offense is he doing the right thing at least in terms of trying to take good shots yeah i think so mm-hmm. is he attacking closeouts when the opportunity is there yeah it's fine he's attacking more than i thought he would be especially considering his sizing given frame so in a sense yeah he's a project like that um i had mentioned in other pod guys that were more nba ready in terms of that aggression or nba body so this wouldn't be big concern but in christie's case he's more of a polished skilled player as a shooter and someone who can attack the closeout than say jabari or keon ellis but what surprises me is the defense is already there at that age and we can't say that out of a lot of summer league players right now and i i think the transition is an interesting 
component to bring up at Michigan State, he wasn't defending the point of attack. Like as mm-hmm. his primary job. They let their point guards play point guards. They weren't, there was no rocket science going on at MSU. They were, you were lining it up against your position. And he was off in a wing. He was, you know, doing whatever he needed to do there. I think him defending on ball a much higher percentage, you know, could be contributing to, uh, you know, having less energy for the offensive side of the ball. He's not going to need to expend all that much offensive energy if he makes it to the parent team. But I think it's fair to say at this point, Given how he's played so far, given how last season at Michigan State there were concerns about his uh, play throughout the season from a stamina standpoint, and then thinking about what the Lakers did in free agency, you know, barring some big trade that guts some uh, roster depth, he won't be in the the rotation to start the season. I think he can be in the rotation towards the end of the season if he's able to improve on some of these things, improve that strength, improve that stamina. But like Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves are going to get all the minutes right now, so. I am, like Mike's saying, like, I'm impressed by the defense. I think it's ahead of where a lot of people had it. And the three-point shot is something at this point we kind of believe in, but we haven't really seen, you know, pan out yet. But if that comes, suddenly he's a plug-and-play, 3-and-D kind of uh, player for this team. So I, I, I see in-season upside for him as a role player, even if right now it, it's not going to be there. And thankfully, given how the team's made up, it doesn't need to be there. So it, it, then does he physically have the strength to – so to Mike's credit, I think that's a great point. He's not – he's certainly not being the number one where all the offense is flowing through him in summer league, but he's definitely doing more than the fifth option like Tim well, described. He, he has the third – he's one scoring possession away from having the second most scoring possessions in summer league. So right he's now. third. So it, He's yes, he's, which he's is right where I fucking second. described him. Right, right. Okay, okay. Literally yeah, no, where no. I fucking described. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, okay. Tom. That's sorry. okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, so to your point, I think that's a good point that he will have a lower usage than he is in summer league. And therefore, mm-hmm. if you are expected to, I don't know, relocate, kind of shift from the corner to the wing, to the top of the key on offense, maybe cut and clear out every once in a while for an Anthony Davis post up. Yeah, hopefully he has more of those legs. But is he a point of attack defender or is he a chaser? Because at this point, I still don't think physically he has that same strength to be the point of attack defender against a lot of NBA bodies. And I think it depends on the matchup. Mike, what do you think? It definitely does depend on the matchup. Uh, He's already shown good signs, as you mentioned, against Keegan Murray. Uh, What he does really well is cut off opponents' legs with their handle. So not a Mm. lot of guys uh, get a lot of easy opportunities with that dribble into a shot creation kind of move. That's where Chrissy really excels defensively, at least from what I've seen so far. And I haven't really seen him in the chaser role during the summer league at point of attack. There's some moderate point guards that he might play against, but they aren't all NBA level. But this all leans into the idea that if we want to project him to be a rotation player on the parent team, there's a certain base level of, you know, strength and resilience that has to be, there on both ends of the floor and I don't expect it to come this early in the season. Maybe it's mid season, maybe it's later in the season, but in the meantime, as long as the skill set is there, I mean, we're still looking at a 19 year old kid who can play for sure. One end of the floor that we trust, we just don't know where to put him yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But we trust him to play well on that end. We can put him out there, have some confidence in it and maybe he can do some things and I'll be okay with that. 
Tom, I think my answer to your question about his defensive role would be he projects better as a point of attack defender. The day-to-day demand skill set-wise at the NBA level is going to be higher defending at the point of attack than it will be defending chasers. I think it's a lower, the lower ceiling, lower floor kind of role as a chaser. So it's not hiding him there, but it's less on center stage. So it could be a route to ease him in if if you are concerned about that. I think there are a good number of teams that you can play him at the point of attack, and I'm not the most concerned there because he does play bigger than his size. He stays in front really well. He's got good length and contests well. So there will be guys that can bully him and guys that maybe will try to post him up perhaps, and, and he's got a good base when he's being post up, posted up against. But, you know, there's some concern with players who play with force, but that's not – most point guards for most teams. So I don't I don't think it's a uh, pervasive enough concern that, you know, it, it'll prevent him from being able to play. And I think ultimately, if we're looking at him playing, you know, cracking the rotation midseason, he's playing 10, 15 minutes a game. So that makes yep. me a little bit less worried about the stamina element as well. Well, we hope so. Um, I definitely hope there's less volatility in this Lakers lineup, but we saw how last year goes, you know, Austin Reeves, I think played a lot more than any of us projected and a lot of us were high on him. So, you know, and it was a credit to Austin. He played well. Um, but he's, he has also got kind of an IQ advantage where he gets, he, he gets his body in the right places more than he's stronger than people. Um, so I, I like Matt Christie. I'm not trying to play like, I guess I am playing devil's advocate. I'm not just trying to say I I don't like him. I think that the strengths he will have are different than the strengths he has now that can help the team. So, like, I I think hiding him in a chaser role and off on defense and being able to give him some spacing opportunity allows it, like, takes the stakes, like, lowers the stakes a little bit because if he – you know, fails like epically in some of these ways, it can be debilitating to some of these guys' confidence. You throw in a league right away and you're not succeeding at what you should be, what you could be because your body's not quite there. And he's a young kid. Like I want to set him up for success and basically not ask too much of someone, even in a small role, which is what I'm worried about if he is thrust into minutes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually answer the question earlier. He's a good chaser. I, I, I forgot to actually like say that the role itself is lower demand. He's a good chaser. He's not an elite chaser. I think he's relative to each role. He's a better point of attack defender than chaser. But like you said, it's, it's an easier way to transition him in, but we've talked a lot about max. I, I don't want to try to sugarcoat things too much. Like he's, he could have played better. He, you know, we've seen him miss a lot of shots. The defense, I think the three of us would agree has been really good so far. He's had his lapses as everyone has, but he's been one of this team's best defenders contributing to them having one of the top summer league defenses and offensively it's just about like that shot needs to fall but speaking of someone whose shot is falling do you want to get to Cole Swider next yeah let's do it I mean oh man that dude is not shy um I love it I think that's my favorite thing about him is that these aren't just um you know catch and shoot wide open threes this dude is catching sizing up firing straight in your face and it's very smooth very butter uh very very definitely jason capono vibes um for me with the size he's not you know he's about as athletic as jason capono from what i've seen and uh and yeah it's butter tim it's a wet shot i don't know mike like what else is this guy i almost feel like this guy is going to be more valuable on the parent team 
just because of that. That's just a more valuable thing the Lakers need right now. It, yeah, it's was, missing on the team. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. It's very easy to see him not only fit with the parent team, but that's the one thing that they need the most with the perimeter shooting and the gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the defensive issues or playmaking, none of that stuff really matters because for sure you're yeah. going to get the ability to uh, to have someone that will actually make a shot in someone's face, highly contested, or at least bare minimum draw the gravity. And if you're drawing gravity and you're giving AD and LeBron just an extra two feet of space away from the defenders, that gets you minutes. It's amazing. That, that, that's all it really takes. He's got the easiest path to make the parent team right now. The upside may not be so high. It doesn't matter. We're looking for a guy that's going to play spot minutes and hopefully have some value. It's clear for him on the offensive end. It's a little bit murkier with Christie since he has various things to work on on both ends of the floor. Clarity of role, strength, into the shot, whatever it might be. But Swider's already there, and we know yeah. who he is, and that's yes. a play of It's, to some degree, a product of, of him playing in that Villanova offense that, from my perspective, is not very good. I watched that team. I've had to watch that team. Some might see too much. Um, I hope my fiance can't hear me right now. Um, and and they, you know, just pass it around, pass it around, drive, jump, stop, kick it out, pass it around, and jack up a shot that I'm like, that's not open. He won't shoot that. Oh, he shot that, and and they make him. Um, Swinder was one of the key guys in that scenario for them, and he he carried that over to Syracuse last year. Like, just shoots the hell out of the ball. Now, I don't want him dribbling. I don't want him, you know, playmaking. He doesn't do those things. There's no attacking closeout for him. Yeah, there's no. shoot or pass. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. if the ball's on the floor, you stopped him. Yeah, Um, yeah. But he's just done such a good job as a catch-and-shoot player that, like, as you guys are saying, the parent team needs that right now. If you go look at, like, the three-point percentage or the perimeter shooting talent or the three-point shot making, no matter how simple or advanced the metrics you're looking at for this Lakers team – they need shooting. They need three-point shooting. So I agree he's got that. The defense, from my perspective, is not good. I don't like it. And on this team, in this group, in this environment, he's been playing a lot of power forward. And I don't see that boating well. Like, he can't. I, you can't have this guy as your four at the NBA level. He's going to get – he's just not going to be a good helper. He's, he doesn't have the instincts nor the size, from my perspective, to be an effective, like, secondary rim protector. But then if you slot him up at a three level, I don't like him on ball in, in that scenario either. So his big thing is how or the Lakers big thing is how can we get this guy's defense to be good enough or his impact to be good enough that we can keep him out there offensively because the offense is going to be there. But if he is going to be the fourth or fifth option offensively in the lineup and is going to be more of a, a movement shooter you know, spacing out. He's not really an off-screen shooter. He hasn't really been an off-screen shooter. He didn't do that a lot at Nova. He wasn't good at it at Nova. I don't think that's going to be part of his game this year. I'd love to see him develop that. But as a movement shooter, lower usage kind of guy, but, you know, a good bailout shooter, that limits your ceiling a little bit, even if he's got a differentiating skill set compared to the rest of the roster. So how high can we get that defensive impact? That's, to me, my big concern. I don't know. I mean, it would help to have an Anthony Davis who can be in two places at once, as Anthony Davis is one of few players who can do that. Um, if you have a LeBron James, like, helping three, who can effectively, uh, you know, also erase other mistakes on the side of, of the court. 
So he's playing he's playing the power forward between AD and LeBron in this lineup that we're talking about? I'm trying to talk it through, mm-hmm. right? Okay. As far as how do you how do you how do you build an off a defense where like I could be out there? And it yeah, wouldn't you hurt can't. you. That's the thing is, this like, is for it, that's any of these guys, you could say having AD out there helps them. You can say that for 500, 600 players in the NBA. That doesn't mean they're going to be good enough to like actually win you games. Well, I guess the point is literally two superhuman helpers. And it, LeBron's not that anymore. No, he's not. He's a smart one like rotation away helper. Or he'll jump mm-hmm. a rotation and kind of muck something up, but he's not gonna, you know, f- yeah, fly in and yeah, of course he does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's I don't hold it against the, him. It's just he's yeah, not at that no, stage. No, no, no. Yeah, when he's locked in, he's, he's energy very bar. good rotating. The the physicality uh, isn't what it was five years ago, and his you know the amount of energy he has to spend on the defensive end is less than it was in the past as well. So. He that materializes as he's not going to be there to like solve every Cole Swider problem. Okay, so he's let's go like through <laughs> looking at him, <laughs> and like looking at him, and like get this guy out of here. Like, all right, well, then and, let's go through the defensive roles you have, right? Is he mm-hmm. is, he's not a big, right? He's not, no, he's he not a, five. a mobile big, he can't, he's be not, a, he's not, he's not a point of attack, pop pick and he's pop not big. a chaser. Uh, you talk, we're talking defensive. I'm roles? talking deep. Okay, defensive Here role drop. Two options. Switch, switch. He's got two options. Tom. He can be a <laughs> helper, or he can be a low activity defender. He can't be a wing stopper. Can't be point of attack. Can't be a chaser. Can't be a mobile or anchor big. Those are our two options. Helper, and to be a good helper, you need to rotate well. You generally need to have good enough size to, as a rotator, be able to defend the rim. Um, but you know, LeBron has been a good helper in the past without elite size if you if you have good instincts you rotate well that could be good um or as a low activity defender you just are trying to hide that guy and you are accepting this player will not rotate and they will not guard anyone tough and that will hurt your defense but that is just one of the roles that we have we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
It's hard to see a, a viable role. And it's not like this is a player who is going to grow into the eventual player he's going to become, like a Christie. Um, this is just kind of who Cole Sweater is. Um, yeah. The ceiling is not there. If he could be like there. a D-plus helper, I think that's like a realistic high-end outcome. No, and I mean, we've seen... just like shoot 40%. Right, Mike, we've seen guys stay in the league like that with A plus spacing and gravity, right? So it's not yep. impossible. As as a spacer though, not as an on ball guy, that's the challenge. Like can you give him enough volume offensively to justify the defense? Sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, I mean that, that's a fair question. Oh, I mean, I was just saying his best defense is making threes. And yeah. if he's on the floor quickly this early on, it's scoring one more point than you every possession. There you go. Forward to just breaking even on the scoreboard. If you're down two and he takes minutes, stay down two for the five minutes he's out there. If you're up seven, hopefully you stay up seven for the five minutes that he's out there. He's still a young player. He's still a incoming rookie. He just has a really deadly shot. Well, how do we optimize that? Can we get more possessions where he can get open three point shots in transition? We haven't really seen too much of that. We see everything in, in the half court contested and somebody's always closing out or in his jersey the only way to really free him up is just to get him in transition we haven't really seen those transition threes anyway so if the lakers want to compensate defensively in quotation marks by doing one and out defensive stops i don't know how they're going to do that it's going to be a matchup thing but just getting defensive boards pushing up and having him spot up in corners that's one way to compensate and that's how shooters stick in the league mike penberthy he was critical and he's stuck in the league. Any guy who gets hot, even for five or 10 games in the regular season, ends up winning three to five games for the entire season overall. That's valuable, especially on this team that didn't even make the playoffs last year. So yeah. he's reliable. We know what his skill set is. There, the only other ways to compensate for that defense is really possessions. To find other ways to get possessions. I don't know how you're going to force those turnovers. I don't know how you're yeah. going to get the that one and out defensive stop. But if you're able to do that and get him those shots, the value of the value of those things goes up because we're just adding points on it by threes and not twos. Yeah. So and he hasn't at. been a plus rebounder. He hasn't been, I mean, he's gotten bullied a few times boxing out and like every team saw this guy's three point shooting. It wasn't, he wasn't playing yeah. in Canada or uh, Canada's pretty yeah, close. He wasn't playing he went somewhere undrafted. far away yeah. at a tiny school or something like everybody. He's a known commodity. He played at Villanova on title teams or one title team. Right. Yeah. His yes. freshman year. Um, but like, I mean, there have been a, like Fletcher McGee's not in the NBA for a reason. Max Aismas isn't in the NBA for a reason. I don't know if anyone listening knows who those guys are, but they're a lot of fun and they were great in college because they were awesome on offense. But defensively, we're not good at all. So every team saw the offense. Every team sees the defense. And it's going to be, you know, how much growth can he make on that defensive end? In the short term, though, you might just say, screw it. We need shooting. We'll, we'll deal with what comes on the defensive end. It's, it's hard I'm, to – yes, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. If he's your 10th or 12th guy and you have a dead eye coming off the bench, that's one way to make a comeback. Just run it out there. Defenses get low when they have big leads and you're trying to make a little comeback or at least for some energy. Some guys just need to see the ball go through the hoop. That's what he can do. 
Yeah, and I really think this team will get to the point in the season if they don't add more shooting soon, which is hard to see how outside of a Kyrie Irving trade and uh, even a hurt Joe Harris kind of entering the fold. You know what I mean? It's, you know, Miles Turner, maybe. It's hard to see, like, yeah. you know, unless and that he's he's going to be valuable. He's going to get a shot eventually when Troy Brown Jr. is shooting 32% on, on catch and shoot wide open threes. Like he basically has his whole career. What I'm hearing you say, Tom, is the Lakers need to get serious. They need to stop screwing around. They need to be a serious basketball team and go grab Fletcher McGee. They need to go grab oh whoever God. that guy was that played at Creighton that only shot threes and not twos. They need to go get Mass <laughs> Aismas. It's going to be all fun, all offense, no defense. It's going to be fantastic. He's a, it will, he, it, it'll be great. Everyone needs to go pause this podcast and go Google some Fletcher McGee highlights. He's only well, flexing because you're here, Mike. Wins. First to 200 points win. So if we win that way, yeah. I'm okay with it. As long as it's a W. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just flexing for because you're a hair bike. Um, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I like Cole Swider. I like I like the fearlessness of how he shoots. Like I said at the top, but um, yeah, known commodity, and uh, there needs to be some context with that. The Lakers really need that commodity right now, and might be so desperate as to uh <laughs> to basically throw the defense you know out the window just to yeah it's the cold the cold bleeding points minutes yeah you're gonna pay for his defense but he's like we went to the grocery store the other day there was one jar of peanut butter there if that jar of peanut butter costs like 15 bucks i was probably gonna pay for it he is he's the jar of peanut butter on the shelf right now there's been a recall there's not there's no other options you, the defense <laughs> Is gonna be that cost, but it's you know I need it. <laughs> I need it, Tom. Is he crunchy or creamy? Cre- I go creamy. I go. I go Jif. I that. That's just that's my flavor. Oh, rip your mentions. Anyway, mm. moving on. No, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Just uh, Cole Swider, nice player. Um, Scotty Pippen Jr. Though the other somewhat relevant part of the Lakers, you know, summer league team, uh, two way guy. I, I like him, Tim. I, I like what I see. I don't know. I don't know. I actually <laughs> here who's who's who on the fight because I'm going to referee. I like him, but I don't know if he's there yet. Kind of. I get some Tyus Jones vibes. Tyus is a much better player right now, but I, I see the path. Are you the hater, Tim? You're the hater, aren't you? Tyus Jones, what is what is this comp? Yeah, Tom, I'm sorry you're wrong on this one. Yeah, I don't. Big, sorry, <laughs> shove your summer league data. <laughs> so, you know, my thing with Pippen is offensively, he's not like an elite shooter. He's, I mean, he's out of position. He's the type of guy that you want the ball in his hands. That's how he operated in Vandy. That's how he's been operating on the summer league team. I don't think that position is going to be available on the parent team unless things are going really, really poorly. So I struggle to see how he slots in with. You mean like if Kendrick Nunn never play bas- plays basketball again? You know, see that that's a route. <laughs> um, that's a route. But like barring injuries, I don't see the need or the easy slotting in of a guy of his offensive role, and then defensively. This is, I think, where Mike and I really disagree. I see him as someone that I'm seeing get steals, I'm seeing get deflections, but I'm seeing that come at the cost of him just constantly gambling. And I'm I'm seeing him put himself out of position that, you know, it, it's resulting in his man being open for cuts, his man being open for catch and shoot threes, or 
if the ball does get passed to his man, he's out of position rotating over, and then he's getting blown by on closeouts because he's putting himself in a bad position. And that's in addition to him already struggling on ball as, as a perimeter defender. So defensively, I have issues with both his on and off ball defense. And offensively, I don't think he gives you enough. Like Swider gives you what you're looking for. Pippen doesn't really give me what I'm looking for enough to justify what I'm getting on defense. Now, I think if you evaluate him for what he might be able to grow into in a couple of years, I think that instincts defensively to be able to generate that kind of activity, it's a little bit more interesting to me. And, and, and if Mike is able to tell me, hey, guys who eventually figure it out are able to be more efficient with their gambling, start this way and then mature, I'm I'm open to that feedback. But right now, I don't I don't see him as he is today being someone that's going to help this Lakers team as they are this year, unless really bad things are happening. So this is where I am with Scotty Pippen Jr. Um, first of all, I don't really have the highest expectation for a role. So I think of the immediate backup point guard. I'm actually thinking of third string guard. So what do we think of when we think of a third string guard? We think of Quinn Cook who gets five minutes. It's threes. Yep. yep. Optimistic about his defense. We just care that he kind of controls the floor a little bit within the half court and can set things up. And that's kind of what we've been seeing out of Scotty Pippen yeah. Jr. this entire summer. Now we're not looking at this great on ball defender. I, you know, I totally agree. I wish he was more disciplined on ball and I wish he didn't gamble so much, but it's hard for me to be down on his defense when I don't expect a high ceiling there. The bottom line is we're talking about a six foot guy. I might weigh the same, if not more than him. He's got six and six foot, five and a half arms. And if you're telling me, Hey, there's a guard that can do that. He may not be the greatest at point of attack, but you know, he can get slim cut over screens. He can recover when he goes under the screens. He can make that read out of pick and roll defensively. And he causes a few deflections. I will buy that especially for a third string guard. Now, when I'm looking at the offensive end, I'm seeing a three-level player. Now, the three-point shot is especially compared to last year in college. He's not getting the same amount of uh, basically full-time shot creation attempts that he was getting last year as well. But I've seen everything from trying to finish at the rim to everything from pulling up from mid-range when the defense, is, when the defense sags. And honestly, he's been forcefully pulling up that three-point shot and not even when they're open just to get him up there. But I think his percentages across the board, I think where, well, I would check hoop math, but it's something along the lines of maybe 55 at the rim, 40 all two point, uh, 43 point, and then he's a good free throw shooter too. Generally, that's a really high baseline for all three levels shooting, especially for an incoming rookie. So when I see him on the offensive end, he's organizing things. He's facing guys out. The offense generally runs better, especially better than McClung. Let's not get into that. But <laughs> what what surprises me most outside of the shooting is when he runs pick and roll, he gets paint touches. He gets two feet and he's not the quickest guy. He doesn't have the longest first step. He's not the fastest. He doesn't, he doesn't jump the highest. He's crafty enough to get attention in the paint, get his two feet in there, find the open shooter and kick out to Christie to Swider. Those are his shooters. That's who he's passing out to. So now we set everything back to the beginning. What do I expect out of a third string guard? Hey, this guy can get paint touches and 
shoot three levels to a fair level and get some deflections and open up three-point corner shooting, great. Now, do I expect that year one? No, not really. Sure, he's a little bit more seasoned than Max Christie, and ideally I would like him to be stronger so he can, you know, force more things in the paint and draw because he's really good at drawing that contact, um, especially with he's his free throw weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? He's, he's really great at <laughs> Oh, Tim, he's just oh, really great. At, Tim is at so mad. People, Tim is so <laughs> mad at a very well argued point and context <laughs> provided by Mike guys Garcia and Chris Paul isn't James Harden isn't. No, they all are. They they do a good job of drawing that fouls that aren't there. That equates to, and I think this kind of ties in a lot of times with the deflections and the over gambling. I think, look. Again, I honestly, outside of individual one-on-one defense and a couple of help situations, do not take much defensively from Summer League. These guys are not on the same page. They are like, all of Summer League is a lot of ISO, Tim. These guys have principles. You can try to teach it to them. They're not going to learn it over two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, but we're not complaining about him like executing... Like what help the helper rotations that that I'd give him more of a pass or something like that. I think he's been bad on ball and I think off ball he's like undisciplined. Like he's just leaving his man who's standing still in poorly judged uh, moments to go try to steal the ball. Whether can that guy shoot? Because my my fucking bet is he cannot. Yeah, he had. They have been. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm not going to put together a reel of him making defensive mistakes because I'm not. I don't do that kind of thing. Somebody could, <laughs> and you'll see it. But I just just keep an eye out for it. I think it would be a fun thing for us to. No, I'm not going to phrase it that way. I think it'd be a fun rewatch. You know, next next summer league game, just watch his defense and see see the kinds of decisions he make he's making, and you know, see where it makes sense. Now, if he gets enough, if he like wins on enough of those gambles, it it's a net positive. I don't know where that break even point is, and. It feels like it hasn't been there so far. That's not a super concrete thing because I haven't been like logging each of these. But I don't know. Mike, Mike do you disagree with that? No, I mean, it, it's okay. definitely a fair point on defense. And then I'm just trying to think about his role last year compared to this year where his usage was really high for his team. And mm-hmm. then on defense, he can, you know, high usage guys get a little bit more lax. And what did they do? They gamble, right? Yeah. And well, Pippen Jr. has really quick camps. I would argue that's his best defensive attribute. There are certain steals that he's catching one-handed with his left hand blindside off a skip pass. I'm like, okay, guys don't make that kind of steal. Or he's, like I said, he doesn't have the longest wingspan and yet he's getting hands on, on players dribbles like Bryce McGowan's who's got a seven foot wingspan and all this other stuff. So I'm thinking this is a guy that had so much success with those gambles in college. And he's like, you know what? If I win a third of these, that's a net positive for me because the rest of the time I'm getting bullied. I'm a six foot dude. I'm about 180 pounds. If that, they're going to post me up. Mm-hmm. They're going to put me in compromised defensive uh, situations. And I'm just trying to get a couple steals and win a couple possessions. And if I'm that kind of threat on defense, especially for a third string guard, that's what I'm going to stick to. That's what he's playing right now. I don't know if he makes that adjustment, right? Eventually he has to because that success rate is going to go down. But Hopefully the strength comes up. He's a little bit more disciplined and that's what we'd like to see. Yeah. When you're Boise State playing Oklahoma, who do they beat? 
you, you start pulling out the trick plays. Back when Boise State first became a thing in college football, when you know you're outmatched, you gotta you gotta pull out some of those trick plays. And it sounds like you're describing like he knows if he just plays it straight up, he's at a disadvantage. So he can at least try to create something. And and what I'm hearing you describe with his transition from college to pro is similar to what I think we saw last year with guys like Carmelo Anthony going from you know I've been an on ball you know, the show's kind of about me kind of player to needing to be in one of those shoes doing some of the nitty gritty stuff. And it was a tough transition, you know, boxing out and making those little rotations. When you're a star player or a former star player, it's that's not part of your, you know, play by play behavior. Now, for some, it might be. And that's fantastic. But for many, they do take, you know, they conserve that energy on the defensive end or for Pippen, he's he's gambling as, as his, you know, that's his outlet. And I think his transition from the college game to being able where he was doing that and offensively was running the show to this level where he won't be running the show. It, it, you know, if those defensive behaviors stay the way they are, it's not, it's not a really acceptable fit. It's not, uh, it it needs to improve. And every excessive gambler in college in quotes, I think that's a hilarious thing uh, (laughs) has to compensate for NBA defense just by staying still. Mm -hmm. Really, and just being upfront defensively, because in the end, there are NBA defenders that are capable of defensive help that isn't really seen at the college level, except those kinds of guys are on every single team, right? So maybe he'll sink in his head, oh, I don't have to gamble so much. I've got these great helpers. I can just delay drive penetration by an extra dribble or two or force a lane that much wider. Once that sinks in, the the whole level of his defensive ability really changes. But in the meantime, this is an undrafted player that is playing way above my expectations. I mean, even with his bad shooting, I was thinking, how many games has he played? Because we can't really get him off the floor. Only just now, Devontae Jones is getting any kind of playing time. And basically, we see the same mid-range shot, right? We're not seeing any kind of offensive diversification. It's only been Pippen Jr. there. So I like him a lot as a player. Actually, here's an undrafted guy. He's really skilled for what he is. Maybe he's on South Bay. Maybe he's on the parent team. But that's a guy that I'd want to keep either way. And I, I guess, that, you know, projecting forward, my concern with the gambling piece is that it's not like he has great size and is otherwise a very good defender. That's gambling and that's what's making him poor. It's something that even if you take away, he's he's still he's still what he is. And that to me is like he's not going to grow. He's not going to get taller next year. Um so that, hey, in a way, limits a the ceiling defense. I don't know when that growth spurt's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just going to okay. throw that out there. Fair enough. Senior, I think he grew when he was like 23, 24. If Pippen oh. Jr. gets that growth spurt, he's worth holding on to right from the jump. So who knows what happens? Yeah, if he were three inches taller, I'd be looking at the situation a little bit differently, I think. Yeah, he'd be a first-rounder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. So are any of these guys, either of the two-way guys, do you think they have the potential to earn an actual roster spot? And I think the scenario I had thrown out, I don't know if it was here in the discord was convert Swider at some point during the season so that he can play more games and then put Huff on a two way potentially to keep him around and and keep him within your Laker control and not do it now, but give yourself enough time that you can assess some of those other dudes that the parent team signed. And you're probably going to find one that doesn't hit and you're willing to cut. Do you um, think that's a plausible think, route? I think development doesn't really happen overnight. 
Uh, I would like to see Jay Huff, especially with Thomas Bryant coming off of a major injury and playing a limited against the past couple of years. So I definitely think there's opportunity for Huff to basically play the same role as Thomas Bryant, just in a different way. Thomas mm-hmm. Bryant's going to be a high motor guy with with long arms. That's that's who he is, and it helps that he spaces the floor. Well, if Huff can do that for half a season, and it's for you know as we've argued before, ten to fifteen minutes a game, that's a steal. That's what we're looking at on a on a playoff team and in, in a championship situation, especially for a guy that changes the look of the team altogether. Because all of a sudden, when you put Huff out there, it's like oh, this team actually has real length out there. It's Thomas Bryant now with seven, six arms. It's Huff out there. I would say it's around seven, plus or minus two, in, two inches of wingspan. And then 80, 80 there as well. Like, yeah, that changes the look. And there's possibly some spacing to go along with the length. That's great. So the path for Huff is a lot easier for me than the rest of the guys because of that subtle two-way ability. Yes, he is a lot threat. It's not the greatest. He's not the strongest guy. Will he compete? Yes. That's what I'm looking for. Will he take that three-point shot? Yeah, he's comfortable with it. See from dead ahead, I'd like to see more from the corners. But if he's offering that spacing anywhere on the floor, I'll take it. Is he a shot-blocking threat? Absolutely. Even if he uses up five fouls in 20 minutes, he was a threat on the floor defensively, whereas you know, somebody had to have their shot altered at some point. And, you know, we're we're not looking at guys that were expecting either 30 minutes per game. I I would have argued that for Austin Lasser only because I saw him excel in two different roles in college. But for Huff, it's a very simplified role and it's there. For Swider, we know who he is. We know how we know what the challenges are going to be defensively. But you know the Lakers can find a way to go around that like I said with finding ways to force turnovers or get defensive boards. With Pippen Jr., the path is a lot tougher. There's a lot more guards. I mean, um, Troy Brown Jr. Has, hasn't been the greatest shooter, but when I remember watching him in Oregon, he was the de facto playmaker for that team, and he looked great, right? He was still kind of an average perimeter shooter, mid-30% two-point range, low 30% three-point range, but he was a jumbo initiator who was around with the length, and he kind of smaller guards, and now he's transitioning from that initiator role to maybe where I don't really think he's the most comfortable guy, but every team has been playing him there because there's so many other great initiators out there. Hopefully we can find a role for him to find some success in that B and D role as well. But yeah, optimistically on onto the parent team, if I had an order, Huff first, Swider second, and then with Pippen Jr. and and Christy, I would like to see them maybe get minutes on a parent team just to see what's going on mid season. But it kind of mostly looks like development kind of situation. Huff is going to get a deal from a real team to get real minutes very soon. And my, my guess is it's not the Lakers. I'm a little pissed off with how many players South Bay supplies to other teams. <laughs> if I'm going to be frank, I'm happy for the players. I'm Can't you see him like on the Miami a, Heat? Yeah, like why I, it bothers. I think way too frequently about how the NBA minor league is in a real minor league that has like actual team control over players. It it really bothers. I mean, that's on if, the Lakers. The Lakers could have had Travell and Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my pet peeve from last year. <laughs> but like, like they had their shot. It's not like it's unfair. They couldn't get this well, guy. You're right, but but if they had a real minor league 
and they had it's not unfair over these I guys think. you wouldn't need to immediately as soon as they flash what they you know as soon as they pass the bar of they're ready you have to immediately find a spot for them on your roster you can take your time a little bit they we're not there maybe in 10 years the nba is there 20 years the nba is there but right now it's this south bay is developing guys and they're just See, I think over that's, and playing for other teams. I think that's good for the players, though. I don't think oh, it, it should is. be that it way because it's worse for the it's worse for the players. And this is a players driven league. They're not going to. It's bad in baseball that these guys get owned yeah, by the same team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they should have to sign like actual multi-year deals or something for like real money. But I don't know. Like there, there should be a free agency at that level. I, I, I don't uh, I don't like the baseball model in general. It's weird how you like you have team control over guys for a really long time as long as you don't like put them in the majors and then you know you can play that game where you you don't play them enough at the majors to save an extra year of their contract and so many of their productive years they're getting paid like nothing. Like I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. Pete Alonso won two home run derbies. Each of those days he won more money from winning the home run derby than he won or than he earned for his entire season of salary. Like, that's ridiculous. That, like, definitely throw out that system, but I think there's a happy middle ground that you can look to, like, I guess hockey has a better a better setup. Uh, another discussion for another time. It's actually uh, F1 racing, where they have, they have a little bit of minor teams. They actually have oh, minor yeah. teams within the pro league, and then you develop mm-hmm. drivers throughout, throughout your own staff and then pick the guys to graduate up. So that's what you'd prefer, and then they eventually get the big contracts, which is the ultimate situation. Uh, my only counter-argument to Trevor and Queen is he showed signs during last summer, and then he just yep. continued those signs into the midseason, and then he got the contract. It's okay. not like it's not like it happened overnight. It was like, oh my gosh, he's getting better throughout summer league, and Reeves may not be the best guy on the team right now. It's it's Queen, and then you're we started to see that. Yeah. He was forcing turnovers at half court, three quarter court, and press, and then he was hitting some three point shots in motion. I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. That was the scouting tape, right? Then he yeah. hit some uh, spot up shots, and then he attacks closeouts. And it's like he's only in this league because he's thin. And I don't really care about that too much as long as the guy's aggressive. And Queen was aggressive, and he earned a contract. Mm-hmm. He's on Houston, and now he's with the 76ers. Congratulations yeah. to him. Yeah. I hope the Lakers will have some more of those opportunities. Point well and, taken. Yeah, I like Huff. Yeah. I think he's a good player. And I think, yeah, it screams to me like Miami giving him a two-year, like $8 million deal in like 200 days, some way halfway through the season. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, like they, These are very, very valuable pieces. Who wants to play a game? <laughs> name, name one player. From the 2019 Lakers Summer League roster. Tom, go. <laughs> One player. I just pulled up this roster. It is, uh, I don't, I, Mike, can you name any of them? I've been to too many Summer Leagues. You need to tell me the roster. Yeah. Too. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 2019. So this is, uh, so it's not, uh, last, so two seasons ago, the 2019-2020 team. So yeah, because there was no wait, there was no, there was no. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the year that wasn't, wasn't it? Right, right. So it wasn't last. It wasn't the Reeves team. The year prior, there was no summer league. This is right. the year before that. Um. 
It's uh, I, I it's as soon as you say like four of the names, I'm gonna get mad because as I soon as them. I say two of the names that I'm familiar with, you will not get any more of the names. No, no, I wait, Tim. I went to these games. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, how do you forget team leading scoring possession getter Nick Perkins? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Devonta Kaycock, second. Yeah. Kaycock, we know that right? name. Yep. Uh, Zach Norvell, we know that name. Yeah. Yep. Joe Young, I don't know who that is. Jaron Johnson, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Jordan Howard, that sounds vaguely familiar. I remember this team. Jordan Caroline, I don't know who that is. Cody Miller McIntyre, I don't know who that is. Oh, Dakota Mathias, I know who that is. Marcus <laughs> Allen, that's a football player, I think. Uh, Eric Holman with an Eric with an A Holman. <laughs> Eric with an A Holman. That's a funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know these guys. <laughs> Mike, where does this summer league team stack up for you from a fun standpoint compared to other summer league teams? I don't think anything's ever going to beat the the Lonzo. Ingram the 17th team is hard to beat. But yeah. this is a lot more organized, and the summer league in general has been a lot easier to watch. Of course, it's the one year that I decide to skip, mm. but it's like, oh, they're running set plays. Oh, they're doing guard on guard pick and rolls. Oh, Swider's going to set a screen. Okay, Pippen, I know Pippen Jr. knows what he's going to do out of pick and roll. So I've actually been doing these watches, even though they're not shooting well, because you can tell that focus on both ends of the floor. And the other aspect is, I know that Darvin Ham wants to push it a little bit and play with more athleticism. So I've been kind of watching who actually does that. I wish I could say it was Pippen Jr. It's not. It's actually more of uh, Devontae Jones and a lot more of Sharif O'Neal pushing up the tempo a little bit more. But, I mean, it's a lot easier to watch. The uh, I said in a prior pod where the draft crops have only gone deeper the past five years, and we're now seeing this higher level of organized play because the depth of talent is, you know, usually it's like, okay, 20 guys can make it. Now it's 30 guys can make it. It's like, oh my gosh, there's maybe 40 guys on the, on the cusp now. And guys like Scotty Pippen Jr. who went undrafted would be second round picks in a prior draft or Swider, same exact thing. Austin Reeves, I, I've said was that's what he looked like in a prior draft. And he plays like a first round pick in like a late first. So the quality of play is a lot better. There's not so much transition play compared to the 2017 team. It's so much more palatable. And I think the level of caliber of players is, is part of that. And then the scheme, specifically for this Lakers Summer League team, like they're running more and smarter set plays than I've seen from a Lakers Summer League team in the past. They, they're like running real stuff. And it's, it's really refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was watching enough McClung get stuff for Scotty Pippen Jr. and then seeing his uh, having a mental plus my score in my mind and seeing minus seven within three minutes. And I was like, yeah, let's put Pippen Jr. back in. And then Pippen Jr. has been playing excess minutes for all of the games. Basically. So I'm sure he's peaked and his shots gone down the drain because of it. But, you know, he's he's earned his minutes. And when you can't help but play a guy, even in organized summer league, it gets coaches' attention. That's what earns the spot sometimes. All right, guys. This has been great. That is a good place to wrap it up. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining the pod. As always, my friend, thank you for all that you do for Lakers Twitter, answering random DMs, and just being that, you know, shoulder to, to question 
<laughs> to, to ask all of the questions. Yeah, DM DM Mike. No, stop. <laughs> or yeah, or no no don't do DM Mike. Don't DM Mike because you know why? He's in the Discord. You can talk to him there instead. Wow, you saved it. But uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, hit us up in the Discord. Leave us a five star review and DM Tim or I at the screenshot or the pod account. Um, yeah, Tim, what else you got, buddy? Yeah, no, we've just been having great conversation in there. Now that I'm back in the U.S., I've been posting more in the Film Room channel. We've had a lot of bonus pods out. There have been a lot of questions, a lot of burning questions about this new free agent class. So uh, I've done a series of Q&A pods. I've done two of them so far. I've got another two on the way that I'll be doing. Um, Lots of great stuff in there. Great discussion. Where at some point, I think the soft season are going to need to get some rewatches in maybe of Laker games or maybe of like, let's watch a Lonnie Walker great game from last year. Things like that through playback. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can figure that out. Um, another thing that I've been looking at is uh, talking to people who covered players, whether it be like Damian Jones with the Kings last year or Lonnie Walker with the Spurs last year and getting some perspective from other teams, uh, you know, reporters. So talk to someone who's watched hundreds of Lonnie Walker games as a Spurs reporter and, and was able to get some input from him today real quick, just like a nice 15 minute chunk. Um, so maybe I, I think maybe we'll stick that out as a real pod for the masses. Maybe next week we'll see. But, I, you know, I've got the audio. I'll give it to the Discord now. Um, so get in there. As Tom said, you can. there are a couple ways to get in there. Um, want to shout out to friends of the podcast, Mike H and TJ Timotaji. Um, for generously supporting us as arena sponsors, as well as to Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Romario, uh, Romario, I'm sorry, Romario, Chamber, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Ham Slamwich, Eric Roy, and Doppel for living the high life with us in the owner's box. And then to all of the lower bowl crew and courtside crews as well. It's a fun group. All right, guys. Thank you, Mike. Thank you as always. All right. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate the invite. Always a pleasure, my friend. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.